0: Today's guest is Ali Casaza, queen of decluttering and the woman who helps other women simplify everything from their homes to their schedules to their businesses and more. I personally took to Instagram for this episode, and I asked you guys what you wanted to hear from Allie. So this Q&A style conversation is full of practical advice that you wanted to know. So Allie shares about how her life was personally impacted by too much stuff, and how it affected her joy, and it caused her deep anxiety and depression within her motherhood, which is what compelled her to write a book and coach women in the art of minimalism. She talks about her guilt-free, no-stress ways to transform your home and your life, and that really is the thing isn't it as I prayed about this conversation and kind of prayed about what Ali and I spoke about, I realized how deeply important it is to remember that our lives begin at home. Our mornings begin at home, our rest begins at home, and it pours out into the rest of our days, doesn't it? It pours out onto the people that we come in contact with in the ways that we carry ourselves for God's glory. And so we have to get a handle on our homes, ladies, for sweeter days and for furthering the kingdom because clutter is overwhelming. We shouldn't be spending every waking moment cooking and cleaning and then cooking and cleaning again. It steals our joy and it steals our time away from our families. And so, in this conversation, Allie gives us practical advice on exactly how to turn things around when she answers your questions about decluttering your children's toys, why we should place more of an emphasis on donating items rather than allowing the guilt and clinging to those items, how to organize without all of the fancy baskets and expensive plastic bins, creating new spending habits with yourself and with your children in order to help avoid clutter and organizing your kitchen cabinets. If you're new to the Living Easy podcast, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. We talk about everything from sex to marriage to unhealthy friendships and relationships, how to study God's word and deal with emotional baggage that you have carried all of your life, all from a biblical perspective. I would love for you to subscribe and check out past episodes. And so if you do enjoy this episode with Allie, be sure to check out episode 74, The Mighty Influence of a Praying Mom. Episode 55, How to Balance Busy Motherhood Meal Prep and Help Your Picky Eaters, and Episode 52, Why We Stopped Going House to House for the Holidays. You might also enjoy my bonus episode, which is actually my first episode ever on this podcast, titled Organizing Your Life for a More Joyful Day Today. Let's jump into today's amazing episode with Ali Casaza. We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heartwork. work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing. And I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee, to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. Today I am here with our lovely guest, Ali Casaza. Hi, Ali.
1: Hi. Thank you so much for having me on your platform. It means so much.
0: Oh, of course. Thank you for joining. I was just telling Ellie before we jumped on though that this morning has been a little hectic. My husband, we just moved, and my husband was driving in an area that he's never been before, and he accidentally wrecked my car for the first time in our 10 years of marriage. And then the engine was overheating today while I was dropping off my son because we we're waiting <laughs> to get it. And then my son was losing control. So I am just oh my gosh, thankful. it's okay. You have to just laugh at those things. I think for myself, I, I went to the gym and I worked it out and now I'm here and able to talk to you. So, but I know you're a mama, so I know you can relate to crazy chaotic mornings.
1: Yeah. And we just moved too, and it like throws like a wrench in everything for far longer than you plan. And it's really hard. It just is like everything you're already like, I'm, I'm at my limit. And then yeah. like regular <laughs> life happens and you're like, "Nah!" like it's
0: just too much. <laughs> yeah. We were definitely used to having more help because all of our family lived in the city that we were in before. And so now we're here alone and it's a shift, like it's a very healthy, good shift for us. But I think it's the little things like learning our way around and figuring out like where our spots are. I think that is what's going to make me feel the most settled. So how has your move gone? And I'm glad we're talking about organization because that has been a beast for me in moving into a new house.
1: Yeah. Our move has been like really, really hard, if I'm honest. Like it's a, we did a cross country move. And so just like the details that go into that, as much as you plan and as much as you like delegate and try to support yourself with like the right help, it just is a lot And it's, like, things got delayed. We were, like, living in Airbnbs and hotel rooms for, like, almost six weeks instead of one week because of delays. And, like, our home is also, like, our first fixer-upper. So, like, there's walls being torn down and things happening. And it was all supposed to be, like, pretty done before we moved in. And that just has completely shifted. Like, everything is delayed and backordered. So, it's just been... And I'm also like obviously launching my book right now. So it's really a stretching period. I always say like there are seasons for survival mode and it has a purpose and it's there to help you, but you just don't want to like set up camp there and like raise our kids there. And this is definitely a survival mode season for
0: me and it wasn't planned to be. So I'm just like, okay, great. And like extra space and it's fine. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm so sorry all that's happening. I can relate to the back orders. I think everything is back ordered of mine until like December. And we came into a house that we actually didn't plan to renovate. we That's kind of what we do. We renovate homes and flip homes. But this one, we thought we were moving into a like newer home and it turned out to be not the case at all. And we are having to do way more work than we anticipated. And so sounds like we're both thrown for a loop. But just like you said, I feel like these seasons, really help us to be pruned and help us to grow and for our children even to see, you know, the amount of work, the amount of effort, and the amount of time that we pour into making our home a home and making their life sweet. And so I just pray that they're able to really see that and also just learn hard work from that as well because it's a lot. (laughs) But I want to dive into your new book, like you mentioned, Declutter Like a Mother, A Guilt-Free, No-Stress Way to Transform Your Home and Your Life. So for our listeners who may not have met you yet, though, we do have one episode with you on it. I believe it's episode two that we talked about holiday organization and gifts and all those things. But can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how and why you wanted to bring this book to life?
1: Yeah. So at this point in time, I have four kids. My oldest is 12. My youngest is six. But years ago, I hadn't had my fourth baby yet. I had three like babies and toddlers all just like back to back to back. And it was really just kind of how motherhood started for me was just like a full body like whiplash shake. Like I didn't even know. I thought we couldn't have any kids. That's what we were told. And so I was like thrown into an accidental like, oh my gosh, like we just got married eight months ago and we're already pregnant and we didn't really want that and didn't think it was ever going to happen. And so there was just like a lot. I literally feel like from the moment I found out I was going to have my first till like after I'd had my third was just so back to back to back and sudden. I didn't really feel like I knew how to like be an adult and process emotion and process life happening. And so I just was like really depressed and felt so guilty for being depressed because in the infertility world, like if you get pregnant, you better be happy as a lark and super freaking grateful because there are so many people and I see the truth in that, but it's also hard to be a mom. And it was just really, really overwhelming. And I basically got to this point where – I was waking up every morning and I would open my eyes and just feel this feeling of dread in my gut. Like, I did not want to do this again. I just went to bed. I'm not, I'm not rested enough. I can't do this. I cried all the time. I felt so lost. I was like talking to people around me, like other women that were ahead of me in motherhood and reading books and reading blogs, like trying to find some support for how I was feeling And I basically just got the message that I'm sure will resonate with your listeners. It was kind of like, well, that's motherhood. It's, like, so hard. And, like, it's just, like, all servitude. And I can't even remember the last time I peed alone. And this, like, coffee till wine and then it's nine kind of vibe. And then it, like, then it's, like, also just, like, soak up every moment, though, because it goes so fast. (laughs) Like, just this super messy, oxymoron. Contradictory. Yes. Yeah. Like it just wasn't making sense. And it didn't sit right with me either because I know that I'm here for a reason. And I believe in this pursuit of abundance and enjoyment and purpose and intention and Where was all of that and how do you find it when literally from the second you open your eyes till your head hits the pillow at night, you are just reacting to other little people and the house and the stuff and the things and the calendar and like how do you find that harmony? It didn't feel like it existed and then I started talking to other people and it felt like Everyone had agreed it doesn't exist for moms. Everyone else, sure. But moms are excluded from like the whole abundant life thing. So I sat with that for a long time and stayed in that place. And I just felt like I was sinking deeper and deeper into quicksand and depression. And I basically had this one day where, long story short, ended up just kind of having this epiphany moment of like seeing my life from an aerial perspective and just realizing, oh my gosh, literally all I am doing is reacting and I'm, what am I reacting to? And I saw myself like always cleaning up messes that were just constant. Always like, it was basically like I kind of saw it as divided into two parts. The things that were just super mundane, like laundry, dishes, cleaning, making snacks for the kids, all the, all those things. And the things that were like really big, like the juicy parts of life, like actually having the kids themselves and my relationship with them and my relationship with myself and my relationship with God, my relationship with my spouse, like the beautiful parts that we're all here for and the mundane side notes were totally running the show so much so that all of the things that the good parts of life, that, that like sweet juice of life was basically non-existent. I was like shoving my kids to the side, putting them in front of in their high chairs in front of Netflix so I could catch up on all the stupid side note stuff all the time. And it just didn't sit right with me. So basically I saw how much time was going to my space. And I mean, correct me if you disagree, but I feel like we could all agree that our homes are supposed to work for us. We're paying for these spaces. It's supposed to be helping and supporting us. And I saw it as backwards. And like, all I did was catch up on the housework. And I felt like my space, I was owned by my space instead of the other way around. So it made sense to me at the time to start there and just Kind of take back my ownership of it and remove all the excess stuff that we just accumulated. Like this, like 2,500 square foot house with full of stuff, just stuff shoved in every closet and drawer, like just messes constantly being made by the kids because there's so much stuff. An overstuffed toy room they don't even play in. God knows they're probably super overstimulated in there. <laughs> and then, like, a garage that's full to the brim of stuff that I don't even, I couldn't even tell you what was in there and a storage unit we pay for every month? Like, what is going on? And so I saw that we had a stuff problem, not a space problem, and started there. And honestly, Lindsay, my entire life changed so much better. My kids started playing better together and for longer periods of time. Like, my relationship with myself improved because I had space to think and breathe. And you know, meditate and pray and journal and like drink a cup of coffee that was still hot. Like (laughs) it just changed my life so much. And I mean, we can go into all the other things that came from that, but that was the start. Yes.
0: Oh my goodness. There is so much in that. So first of all, I want to say thank you so much for sharing about the infertility and pregnancy and kind of that battle that went on in your heart in that time, because I know mamas who have felt similarly and they do feel this, pressure almost to s- celebrate and to be so excited and where there is still that maybe hesitation or just the fear that comes with a completely new life and and new purpose, you know, that is brought to you. But also, I just agree so much. And that was part of why we ended up moving out of our state was find new quality of life. There were a lot of things behind it. but we really wanted to slow down. And that has been a really common repeat conversation between my husband and I, where we talk about just the slowness begins within the four walls of our home and really not utilizing all of our time cleaning and cooking and then cleaning and cooking and cleaning and cleaning and cleaning cleaning over and over again. And then having the kids clean because it interrupts so much of our lives, like to just live, to just enjoy one another and appreciate one another and to be intentional. And so that intentionality, I think, as you're saying, flows from not having, number one, so many to-do lists that I think that we put on ourselves to be these perfect Pinterest moms or to have it all together, but two, to just be present, like to live in that way because our lives are so, so short, And that you can thrive in motherhood. And that's why I love your message, Allie, and I always have. I've always just really appreciated what you bring to the table because you really explain and express the whys, but you also express the hows to have a joyful motherhood that isn't so bombarded and consumed with stress and chaos and anxiety that our society really just perpetuates. So you explained a little bit about how it has impacted you and changed your life, obviously, which is tremendous. And it seems like you were a very different person at that time. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think in a lot of different ways and just like even just being a really young mom and, and not really knowing who I was or being confident in that and not knowing a lot about a lot of things, but also just like you said, like I feel like so many women and myself at that time included subscribe to the idea that once you become a mom – that's kind of it and your joy now needs to come just from like the mundane small things and just like carpe diem and like be present and it's just like oh like this is like your service and yeah motherhood has a lot of serving in it so does life though and being a mom isn't supposed to be this joyless time suck where you're not even a person anymore you're a mom I had so subscribed to that And I subscribe to, you know, what I often refer to as hot mess mom culture and just like the acceptance that this is it and this is who I am now and this is what my life looks like now. And mess is a part of it. Constant chronic stress and chronic chaos is just a part of it. And I better stop being so selfish and get over it and just learn how to serve and like deal with it because that's my job because I'm a mom. And how awful is that? Like (laughs) nobody, it's like just this idea of what being a mom looks like that we decide and then so it is because we expect it and what you expect you receive. So it just was like having to have the audacity and the braveness to even question that at my age and try to figure it out. Like I was definitely divinely guided out of that subscription And resubscribing to something that fit better and actually ended up making me the most brilliant, amazing mom that I ever thought I could be because I had stopped trying so hard in all the wrong ways. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, absolutely. It's navigating out of the self-inflicted punishment of motherhood because it is not intent-I mean, we are not created (laughs) to live that way. And I always tell my friends when they're about to have babies or when they're struggling in their motherhood. My first question is, when is your you day. like And that that is just the beginning of it. But for me, one of the best pieces of advice I received from somebody was, you need to treat yourself like a human being, just like you're speaking about, Allie. Treat yourself like a human being. Take time for yourself. And in those moments, it gives me the ability to process through what my family actually needs, what best serves my own heart so that I become a better mom, a better wife, a better servant of God, and just live well. But also, it allows me to just be Lindsay, like I can just, I am still very much a human being. And I think fostering that and nurturing that makes you a better overall person in general. And so I just really admire that. And I admire your heart. And I'm curious to hear how your children, now that they've grown up throughout this process of you, like your growth journey, what systems would you say have helped create the greatest change in their lives? You mentioned the overstimulation of their playrooms, those types of things. So, how have you seen this growth and how has it impacted them?
1: Yeah, it's so interesting because. In, I mean, at least in America, I feel like I hear from so many people in other countries where this is the truth as well, but especially in American society, it is just really the message still, even though like minimalism was so trendy for like five years, still (laughs) the message is more is always better and bigger is always better. And simple is just boring. So living in that society and raising kids in that society. And really I saw the contrast. I saw what it was to just kind of mindlessly collect things over the years and things people gave me for birthday gifts and, you know, the kids Christmas gift toys that even though it's May and they haven't played with it since they opened it, just keeping it because it's wasteful to get rid of it or we should, or what if they decide to play with that later? Just that mindlessness of consuming and keeping I saw what that did to my time and my week and my motherhood ultimately and my li- myself and my life ultimately. And so pulling back from that and getting a grip on it and taking control and ownership over it and then seeing the opposite, like I had really given myself so much life back. So I was really confident that to raise my kids this way was not going to hurt them or damage them or make them feel like they couldn't have birthday parties or weren't having enough or feel jealous. But I also did it in a really balanced way. Like we still have birthday parties. My kids like toys. They all have toys. It's just that we're not, like I said, mindlessly consuming and keeping. There's an intention there. And it's a conversation that we have all the time, keeping guard over our things is a part of our family culture. It's not even really spoken about. It just exists. And so they've just been raised in that. And I've really seen, like my daughter was about three at the time that I had really started to figure this out. And now she's 12 and in junior high. And for her, like, man, the sense of absolute groundedness and knowing who she is and having had space to experience boredom and grow an imagination, and figure out that she loves art, and that that's what she's really good at, and that's what she wants to do. The communication benefits of kids not having a ton of stuff overstimulating them constantly, like, you know how they say you don't know what you've got till it's gone? It's like, you don't know what you could have until you make space for it. And so, the relationship that my kids have with themselves, the relationship they have with each other, the space that we've physically created and that that has metaphorically created for them to grow and blossom and figure things out. And even just like the little bits of like, I say boredom because that's what your kids will complain about if you first start to do this, but it's not boredom anymore. It's just like space and silence, like to go like, go figure it out, go play.
0: To have an imagination and to be...
1: Yeah. Like that kind of space is such a gift. Like they just think all the time. And I know Mm -hmm. that's why they ask such hard questions. They ask big life questions like all the time. And I just know it's because there is limits on technology. There isn't a bunch of toys doing all the imagining for them. And there's a lot of outdoor time. There's a lot of quiet. There's a lot of space. And I think it's really good for their
0: souls. I completely agree. I think I just love listening to you, Allie. I feel like you have so much wisdom and and I really love it because you're speaking from a place of experiencing it. You've walked through it. You're not preaching something that you are not doing yourself. And so many of your courses and now your book help people to get to that place. And I know, I mean, I can guarantee 99.9% of women listening to this want that freedom. You know, they want that life. They want that for their children. That is a big thing for us, is I struggle. I am like a doer. I am go, go, go all the time. And so having my boys not do that feels weird to me. And this past couple of years has been really just sitting with myself and saying, I need to learn to sit with myself. And therefore, I need to allow them to sit with themselves. And to if they complain about being bored it gives them opportunity to learn. It gives them opportunity to sit with themselves and to think and to process and to ask questions like you're saying. So I just really appreciate that. And because you have implemented everything in your life, I wanted to ask a few questions for my audience, from my audience, to help them practically implement these things into their own lives. So I just pulled them on Instagram stories. Yeah, let's do it. Perfect. So Um, And they can be short and sweet or however you feel. But number one, I enjoy organizing, but I don't know how to get my family to stick with it. And they had mentioned specifically kids and husband. Do you have any suggestions?
1: Okay, so my favorite, like this is kind of the foundational thing. There's a lot of layers to this, but the foundational piece is, we kind of touched on it earlier. It's more about like bringing this into your family culture rather than like ordering people to do the the things the way you want them to do them. So for example, I like to use eating as a really good example of your family culture. So you guys all listening have a family culture around food and dinners and, like, the way you eat, and it's probably pretty unspoken. Maybe you and your partner have talked about it with, like, changing and eating healthier or eating out more whatever, but it's pretty unspoken. Your family culture on food is just the way it is because you've brought it in unconsciously. There's a show called The Middle with Patricia Heaton, and in that show, she plays this mom character that every night she comes home from work and she drops a big bag of takeout on the table and yells for everyone to come and eat. Their family culture around food is takeout. So if she ever, like, just made a pot of chili, it would be a conversation. Like, the kids would notice and probably say something. The husband would be like, oh. Like, it would throw off the family culture. So their family culture was unspoken, and it was decided and lived out by everyone because it just is. You also have a decided family culture around things. It's not spoken. It's just communicated in the way you buy things. And if the kids ask for a toy at Target every time you walk in, it depends on, like, if what you do with that. Do you always get them something? Do you never? Do you, like, get really annoyed? Do you give in? Like, what is the relationship to things? Do you often, like, reward the kids with physical things? All of these things are contributing to your own personal family culture around stuff. So, the best, easiest, seamless, non-nagging way to make a shift with your family, including your your spouse or your partner, is to just start to weave it into the family culture. Share about what you're learning. Share about this podcast. Share about studies that you find online. Share about how you're feeling as you begin to do this on your own, as you declutter your closet. Share about how much less laundry you're doing and how much more uplifted you feel when you walk in to get dressed for the day and you're not haunted by a bunch of Of clothes that are too small from pre baby that make you feel like you're, you should be something you're not. Pre, like just bring it in and talk. Yeah. And just like open up the door. And at the same time, it is your space. You are more than allowed, you should communicate. I really need things to feel this way. Now, this is your room, so just shut the door if you're not going to do that. But please know you're going to be responsible for keeping it clean. This is the standard, and this is what will happen if that's not met. But you don't have to, like, convince. You're not, like, the salesman at the the car dealership, like, trying to get them to buy a car. You don't have to nag. You don't have to yell. You don't have to take money from them if you don't want to. Like, the consequences and how it works gets to be your choice, But I just find with my clients and my students and myself, the easiest, best way is just shifting that family culture. It's pretty much unspoken. It just is. And the mom is the spine of the whole family. So you have the most control over the family culture.
0: And. Can you speak just briefly on the importance of realizing and understanding that it's never too late to start something new, just to refresh your family culture? Because I think a lot of people think, oh, it's just, I'm already stuck. We're stuck. And it's just such a lie.
1: Yeah, no, you're never stuck. We're all constantly influencing each other in the world unconsciously. The subconscious mind literally picks up on every single, like, piece of body language, every sight, every sound, every smell, even if you're not consciously like, oh, I hear music somewhere. There could be music on and you're not consciously knowing it, but your subconscious is picking up on it for sure. And then maybe tomorrow that song will be stuck in your head and you don't know why. So... There's so much you can do, like, to communicate to your kids. It's never too late. Everything can change. It can be very subtle, and it can be something that you just change in yourself, and it will naturally spill over into your teenagers, you know, your old, like, stick-in-the-mud husband, like, whatever it – whoever it is or however it feels, like, it's okay. You're never stuck. Also, I think it's important to remember that we cannot expect our family members to like jump on board and be on the same page as us at the same time as us just because we're excited about something. You don't know where they're at exactly. Like it just may not be their time, but down the road, you your kid may go to college and be a minimalist because of the last year of his life you were. Yeah. So just, I think we just need to like breathe and enjoy the ride. Enjoy being a mom. Enjoy the day and control what you can control, which is your stuff and your boundaries.
0: Did you know that the Wife Project from Roommates to Soulmates will have its final official launch on November 7th? There are so many of you who are already on the wait list patiently anticipating the drop of this course and you will be joining over 1,000 women from ages 20 to 65 who have taken this course to strengthen their marriages. And a praise report, we have people from nearly every country in the world who have bought The Wife Project to improve their marriage for the glory of God. But if you don't know anything about The Wife Project, I'm so excited to share a little bit about it with you. So let me begin with a question. Have you forgotten what it is like to be best friends with your husband? Have you become more like roommates than soulmates? I think it's safe to say that there are very few people in the world who walk down the aisle to say I do while also having the thought, I hope I have a mediocre or failed marriage that ends in divorce. No, right? We naturally desire to have the best and healthiest marriages, a marriage full of happiness, spiritual growth, pleasurable intimacy, laughter and faithfulness, the kind of marriage that thrives when God is at the center. But then life happens. We forget the promises we've made to God and one another because we're so caught up in the broken and worldly expectations of what we thought our marriage would be. We spend more time looking over the fence at someone else's grass than we do looking at our own and doing our best to water it and nurture it. And I totally understand that marriage can be difficult. You are two sinners coming together with different upbringings, different desires, and different personalities. Jesse and I have been through the ringer ourselves in different ways. And those things can cause conflict, confusion, and loneliness when it's not worked on by either person. Kelsey took the leap and invested in the Wife Project course, and this is what she had to say. Lindsay, my husband and I have been struggling for a little while now. There was nothing wrong with our marriage. It is just hard at times. Kids and work created stress on us, and we love each other, but constant miscommunication and trying to fix each other has left us both exhausted and ready to give up. I'd been praying for a reason to keep fighting for us and to keep working at this. We've tried Bible studies, marriage counseling, date nights, etc., and nothing seemed to work. The Wife Project showed me God's vision for our marriage. I realized that I need to stop trying to get my husband to fill a role he was never created to fill. I began to understand my role in all of this. I also learned that I can work on the things that I can control, my attitude, my heart, and my intentions, and that that has a huge impact on his responses toward me. Thank you for giving me the tools I needed to save my marriage. I truly believe that you are a gift from God to our family. Friends, the fact of the matter is that there are two people within a marriage, and it can sometimes be tempting to point our fingers at what our spouse is and is not doing. But the truth is that pointing fingers and telling them what they're doing wrong over and over again does not fix anything. You were never intended to play God or be the Holy Spirit in your husband's life. God has called you to be a love him wife not a fix him wife. So do you desire to run this race well, to fight hard through the mess and the muck while holding high the beautiful institution of marriage that God has woven into the fabric of creation? I have always been passionate, and if you listen to the Living Easy podcast, you know this, I've always been passionate about redefining what it means to truly fight for your marriage as a wife while challenging the false notion that the joy, the passion, and the pursuit of holiness in marriage will eventually just fizzle out. God has called us up toward holiness and commitment with the ultimate goal being to honor Him within our marriages. My heart behind The Wife Project is to challenge you to become more like Jesus in every area of your life, which then will flow deeply and widely into your relationship with your husband and break generational habits so that your children know what a healthy marriage actually looks like. Amy said this, I only just started following you a couple of weeks ago, Lindsay, and I'm so inspired by how relatable all the content is but it always comes back to how I can focus on Christ, and that is the key to healing my marriage. One more thing to add, the Wife Project has helped my patience and kindness in parenting. It is helping my entire home, and the assignments are actually work that I want to do. This is a beautiful gift that you've given. I can already feel my wheels turning, my heart closer to God, and my whole being more gentle and tender to my partner. So good. Wives, it begins with you, and not because your spouse always gives their best, but because Jesus has called you to be a good and godly wife to honor Him. The Wife Project is an eight-week, half hour video course that you can work through in your own time, and you have lifetime access to the course once it is purchased for only $197, which is less than two marriage counseling sessions. I also offer payment plans to help you guys out. This means you won't run out of time, and you can watch it for the rest of your life. It also comes with a 70 plus page wife project journal with actionable marriage challenges, memorization verses, and journaling questions to help you implement what you're learning right away. So click the link in my show notes on my Instagram link or on my website sparrowsandlily.com to be added to the waitlist and to learn more about the wife project. Don't miss the last official launch. We will see you there on November 7th, 2021. Love you guys. Number two are all of the fancy bins necessary that I see all over Instagram? This is actually from a friend of mine. She submitted it. She said, I don't want to spend all of my money on plastic in baskets, and I really don't want plastic all over my house anyways. What are your thoughts?
1: First of all, whenever there is a need for storage, like what is it? Like the basket material, like woven baskets for the wind.
0: Yeah. Like the wicker stuff. Yeah, Yeah.
1: Like wicker. Yeah. But also, like, here's my issue with this. Like, first of all, I've never even been to the container store. It seems like a really big deal. Everyone loves it. And, like, it gets mentioned in expensive. Isn't it? It It is very expensive. <laughs> yeah. It is okay. so pricey. That's why people always say expensive bins. I'm like, expensive bins. Like, those get a, like, $2 yeah. <laughs> tub. But I don't need it because here's, okay. If you're spending, like, a lot of money or really anything that's not comfortable on organization bins, you're probably organizing junk. So rearranging, I'm going to use, I'm like a boy mom, so I'm going to use a boy mom example. Me too. Rearranging a bunch of poop, like into a pile and putting a bow on it, it's still a pile of crap. (laughs) So like organizing stuff you don't need and putting it in pretty bins with label makers and like color coordinating, it's still literal junk. So Why are you organizing? What are you organizing? How often do you need it? To me, this is my biggest beef with organization. The problem is you're spending so much money and time, like getting it all put together. You're actually not making your life easier. You're actually giving yourself more to do because now not only do you have all this stuff, which one of my biggest things is what takes up your space takes up your time. So you have all that stuff and it's stealing time from you. It's stealing your energy. It's stealing your space from you. So you not only do you have that, now you've set expectations on yourself to keep it looking really pretty and put a certain way in a certain bin with a certain label. So you're literally like just giving away all your time <laughs> to stuff. Like you are, girl, you're owned by everything you own. Like you don't own anything. So it's like, why? What's the reason behind it? When you simplify and you get things to the point where you're like, no, I use these things. This is what I use all the time. I just love a good aesthetic and I want it to look a certain way. Great, go get your bins. But you'll be buying far less because you simplified first.
0: So good. Number three, how do I keep kitchen cabinets organized when we don't have a lot of space? My pots and pans always feel so messy and cluttered. And I want to add to this because. I mean when we were unpacking our kitchen took the longest time by far. You use you can use so many things within your kitchen and I think that it feels like you need a lot of that stuff but do you really need a lot of that stuff? So how do they keep that space organized?
1: Okay, I'm going to do two pieces of this and I'm telling you that in case I forget the second one and you can bring me back. Okay. 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 So the first part is the stuff itself, the second part will be how to store the stuff itself. So before we get practical, you have to look like, like you were saying, do you really need this stuff? Most people, like I've done polls on this and like studied this myself in my own community. And most families have four sets of dishes. That's the most average answer is four sets of dishes. Why do you need four sets of dishes? That is like, actually a lot. One <laughs> set lot. will be fine. Like maybe you have another one to pull out for like hosting, you know, parties or Thanksgiving or whatever. But my God, like that's a lot of (laughs) dishes and that's average. That's just normal. And I, that's what I had too back in the day when I started all of this, like same, it's just collects like some breaks. So you get like a new set or like somebody gives you one for your wedding and you still have it. And then it's just like ugly and sitting there just in case,
0: like just in case of what? And because you feel people, like you mentioned, Ali, people feel this is something I've worked through because Jesse is very much a simplifier, minimalist. And I'm learning, but I feel this sense of guilt for getting rid of like a gift that somebody gave to me and make it a sentimental thing, which then creates hoarding tendencies, (laughs) really. Because if somebody gives you something and you keep everything someone gives you, your house is going to be stuffed with junk.
1: Well, and also like somebody gave you a gift and tried to do you a favor and help you and show you love. And you're now enslaved to that thing and it's taking up your space and you don't even like it or use it. It's not wasteful to get rid of something that's not serving you anymore. It's actually wasteful mm. to keep it because if you donate it, you could make someone's day to find a new unbroken set of dishes or Madewell jeans that don't fit you anymore, like leather slides that don't fit you that you don't want to wear on your feet anymore. Like that, you don't know who's going to the donation center. That's like a, that's circulating positive energy to somebody that really needs it it's you're you're wasteful for holding on to it right so shifting that perspective and letting like seeing that like that is I was just doing this with my husband this morning on our walk like he was struggling with something and I was just like is this helping you or harming you like that belief I see the value of that thought and like I see the stress of like but they gave that to me and I feel so bad like that is valid Like, you're not dumb for thinking that's totally, I totally understand that. But is it helping you or hurting you? It's hurting you because what takes up your space takes up your time. So then, like, let's look at, like, what's actually true. The truth is it was intended as a gift. It was intended to make your life better. And now it's not. So the wastefulness doesn't happen when you release it. The wastefulness happens when you keep something that someone else could be getting use out of or – The wastefulness happens when you are wasting your valuable space, your valuable time, your valuable minutes as a busy woman with family, a family that you're raising and a business that you're running, a podcast that you're hosting because you felt bad getting rid of something. Like there's power in the other side of that.
0: Absolutely. Thanks. Pep talk for me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I
0: totally took you on a tangent. Okay, so you're talking about four sets of dishes.
1: Yes. So we need to look at like why do you have so many dishes? Like why do you have what you have? What do you have from like we were talking about earlier, your wedding or like whatever time, baby showers, whatever time anywhere in any of the rooms that you just don't need anymore? It's not your thing anymore. You you don't use it. Maybe you hold on to it till the holidays and it's just not even worth it for that because you could just use this other crock pot or whatever the situation is. Just evaluating what's there. And then the second thing I wanna say is getting practical and like organizing it. There's a million ways to store everything. Vertical space in the kitchen is so unnoticed and so underrated. Get one of those ceiling pots and pans hangers and get them straight up out of the cupboards and up on the ceiling. Stack them like the, what are those little dolls called that self-stack in themselves? The, oh, the little
0: Russian dolls? Yeah, I,
1: I forget like the name for that, but yeah, those Russian dolls. Uh, stack the pots and pans by size like In like that and shove them just in the back and put the lids, like, or put the lids on them and then stack them up. You can do a million different ways. There's, like, magnetic vertical storage on Pinterest, like, ideas for that. This is where organization has a place, when it's helping you, not when it's enabling you to be a hoarder. So... Get creative. Use vertical space. Use the side of the cupboards. There's like always that side space that's just like wood or, you know, painted wood or whatever you've got. Put something there and store something there. You can install things. You can do renter-friendly things with command strips. There's an endless supply of ideas on Pinterest. Go and use that and get creative and find something that's going to work for you. But the point is having what you actually need And then getting really creative and utilizing the space that you have. Right now, like, our kitchen is not getting renovated right now. We're doing other more important things. So my kitchen is, like, super ugly, really small, really dark. I hate it. And I just am, like, okay. But, like, this is my kitchen, and I'm committed to, like, eating healthy And we cook a lot. So I'm going to have to make it work. So I'm also getting creative. Like you have to, whether you have an expansive kitchen or a tiny kitchen or we've lived in a camper and toured the country for a year with all the kids. And we had like basically like one tiny counter as as a whole kitchen. Like everywhere we've lived, you can make it work if you just decide that. I'm going to make this work. I'm gonna not only make it work, I'm gonna make it work in a way that really benefits me. It's just that when we get stuck in this mindset of like, this sucks, it's not big enough, I wish it was like this, and or I have to have all of this, like, well, you might not because your space isn't letting you have all of that. Something's gotta give,
0: you know? Yes. So good. Next. What is the best system that you've used for your kids' closets and bedrooms? And I'm going to add on to this and say, when you say that your kids have very minimal toys, what does that actually mean?
1: Okay, so the best system for the kids' closets and all their stuff is to not have excess. So excess means they don't love it and they're not using it. Okay, so with their clothes, like, have you guys ever gone back to school clothes shopping for your kids and you, like, are doing laundry one day and you notice there's, like, cute overalls and, like, cute graphic tees that you got for your kid and they never wear them. They just wear the same few things over and over again. <laughs> over and like, over. <laughs> that's, it's just, we do that too. The people wear… of their wardrobe, 80% of the time, and kids are no different. So those are things that, like, it feels wasteful, but it's not. It's not. They don't love it, and they're not using it. So it is now excess. So letting things like that go. Let the shoes that they, you know, squish their feet, that they don't want to wear those anymore, and they're just sitting in the closet, like, removing the things. Right now, my kids' closets are, like, Literally just like a couple pairs of shoes and like extra pillowcases for when it's time to change the sheets. And like, that's it. They each have a, their own toy chest and it's got their toys in it. When the toy chest is full, it means it's time to make decisions and simplify and like, you know, get some in, we put some out kind of thing. So it's really just about deciding on the space that you're going to keep things. Like what space do they have? And then when that is not working when it's too much, it's time to make decisions. So sometimes the best thing to do is to just look at, like, well, what are they not loving and what are they not using? That all needs to go. And other times it's more like, well, I'm okay with some excess. Like, I'm okay with that. But I'm going to go by the space we have. When their drawers are hard to shut, we need to get rid of some clothes. When their toy chest is bursting at the seams, we need to make some decisions about the toys. So those are some options for those of you who you can kind of pick which way you want to go about it.
0: Really good. Okay. This is going to be my last question and it goes off of what we're talking about because I think this is maybe the beginning step of a lot of things as people start to process through the minimalism journey. If you are looking at spending habits, now as people start kind of cleaning out their drawers and cleaning out everything and giving to Goodwill or to wherever women's shelters are a great place to give your things to if it's your stuff. But also as they're clearing out, what do spending habits look like? How do those shift and change as time progresses in order to better serve this journey of decluttering?
1: Yeah, that's such a good question because we don't want to just be like, oh, I, like, declutter every two months and and you're just, like, still – spend all my money. Yeah. Taking it all in. Yeah. So I think the best thing to remember is the power of awareness. As you're, like, going through your space, even, like, guys, you can declutter just when you're – you know how, like, every night at some point you have to kind of, like, pick up? Just the house kind of needs – your hands on it and you just kind of go to bed. Yeah. Just that nighttime pickup that can be decluttering. My favorite thing to do is like grab an empty hamper and just go through the house and just put things in the hamper that don't belong where they are. And need to be picked up and look in it as I'm going to put things away and just ask like, should I even put this away? Is it something that needs to go? Like just as you go. And then as you're doing that, kind of just notice, okay, what am I noticing that we're always getting rid of? Bella's shirts. Okay, well, maybe now, gosh, she's 12. I guess I should take her shopping with me instead of just going online and buying her what I think she's going to need and have her put her opinion in because she obviously doesn't like what I'm getting and I'm wasting money. Or, you know, with toys. Okay, like this just happened to me and it's a great example. Okay, well, I'm noticing now that like the kids are getting toys for their birthdays and holidays and they're like, man, it has shifted. My kids are a little bit older and it's shifted from like, they play with most of them and like a couple of them kind of like grandma and grandpa just missed the mark and they didn't play with them. We're going to donate them pretty quickly to like a lot of the things they're getting are not played with. And it just feels so wasteful. So we just shifted to doing fiver parties where on the invitation, you just say like, instead of a gift, please bring $5 for the birthday boy. Like, can't wait to celebrate with you. And then the kid gets five bucks from each guest. It ends up being like a decent amount of money for a child. And they can then get themselves something they really want. So it's like really cutting down on the toy thing. So just kind of like being aware of what it is you're getting rid of and kind of problem solving based on what it is to like not just mindlessly going through life and going through birthday parties and going through stuff and just being like, well, I'm just going to declutter every three months to keep it at bay. Like notice what it is and do something about it.
0: Well, because in that guilt and that shame is going to sit with you if you do feel like you're being wasteful because we are called to be stewards of our money and of our things. And so I think that that is what, like you're saying, Allie, I love the Fiverr idea in just redirecting people to know, okay, you can still give a gift and it's still great, but it doesn't have to be something that is going to take up the whole bedroom, a big dinosaur or car set or something. And one thing that we've really loved... Is just asking for experiences or activities. And for our last, my son's last birthday party, we got water park tickets from a friend and then we got zoo tickets. And those types of things have really helped us to give things, it creates memories rather than just sitting in the bedroom. It allows us to do things that will create memories as a family. And so we really love that. So, I would love for you to tell our listeners where they can find Declutter Like a Mother. And also, I did have a few people on the Q&A asking about how in the world do I start an organization business? That would be a dream. And I know you do business coaching. So tell us where to find you on social, where we can find your book, and then also talk a little bit about your coaching.
1: Love it. Yes. Okay. Social media, the best place to connect with me there is definitely Instagram. It's my favorite platform. That's really where I show up pretty much daily. And there's like lots of bite-sized tips and like kind of behind the scenes. And a lot of people just follow me there for inspiration for like what they're striving to get to with their homes and their family life. Like just, it's like a day in the life of oh my gosh, like I can breathe and there's space. And it's crazy, but I can handle it because things are not already having me stretch so thin, like that kind of lifestyle. So I'm happy to help you on there. And then the book, you can get it wherever you buy books, Target, Amazon, declutterlikeamother.com. I'm super excited for you guys to get your hands on it because I'm so proud of it. And it is so like full of heart, but also like super practical
0: and relative
1: to you. Like it's rule-free.
0: I've been reading it, Allie, and I really love it. It's been oh, thank so good for you. me.
1: That means so much to me. And then in terms of coaching, yes. So I have a program called Startup School. Oh my gosh, I poured like so much, like years and trial and error and figuring it out the hardest way. And it's for anyone that wants to start an online business, whether it's service-based, Or you only use the internet to get your message out there and you actually physically go and have clients like in your area or you have a message-based business that you want to like get a message out there to people. Even MLMs, like we have so many MLMers in there. Anything that you want to do, you want to use the internet as a power to back what you're doing, it will help you. It's like all the expertise and years of like trying to figure it out and like running my business different than everyone else, like not wanting to do this like, overly like toxic, masculine, like just get up and hustle and do it and like get it done. Like <laughs> Raising a family and a business at the same time is one of the hardest things I've ever done. And it's got to work for both. Like I'm a mom first and a business owner second. So how, what does that look like? And like what is really going to move the needle forward and have revenue coming in incredibly quickly and in large Chunks because money makes the world go round. And when good people have money, they do amazing things. So, focusing on that and like really being intentional with the moves you make in your business, that is what I focus on. And that's what I love to teach the shortcuts of getting a life like that.
0: Wonderful. And I will attest to the fact that those types of courses and the things where you are pouring out your wisdom and knowledge and experience and all of the hours and hours and hours of research they are so worth the investment and that is something that I have started doing more so is the courses and focusing on that and coaching because it is like a head start times 10 for people who are taking those courses and the amount of time that I know you have spent Ali investing in this world of yours that is your own little Empire has grown so so much and would tremendously help other women. So I just want to thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom, everyone. Go and purchase Declutter Like a Mother, support Allie, support her family, but also learn how you can better love and support your own family. So if you enjoyed this conversation, tag living easy with Lindsay and Ali Casaza on Instagram. Let us know what you thought, what your takeaways were. And then if you have not had a chance to rate and review the podcast yet, make sure to do so. Just go on iTunes, give a quick star rating and review so that we can hear how the living easy podcast has impacted you. And I love you guys. And we'll talk to you next Monday. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to share the love. The simple act of taking a screenshot of this episode and tagging the Living Easy podcast makes such a huge difference in my little podcasting world. If you are blessed, challenged, or impacted by this conversation, someone else you know might be too. So please feel free to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds to scroll down from this episode or the podcast homepage on iTunes to give a quick rating and review. This makes a huge difference and helps in getting great guests for future interviews. Don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram for encouragement, devotionals, and practical advice on all the life and faith stuff. Love you guys.